Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome to Business Unfiltered. Today's topic is all about hiring remote employees. My name is Chris Mercer with Businesses.io. I have, of course, as always, Jeff Sauer over at Profit Pillars. And as we're talking about this whole idea, Jeff, we get these questions a lot where people are like, okay, it's time to expand my team. I've heard about remote that it's cheaper, that it's better, but there are drawbacks to it. And then there's the whole concept of like, let's decide I do want to do this. How do I actually do this? Like, how do I go find somebody in a completely different country where I have no connections? So how are you handling this whole idea of when you decide, yes, I want to do a remote employee. Do you go to certain places? Do you have a certain process? How are you guys handling that over at Profit Pillars? Yeah. So it's it's a good question because I've actually only ever known a world with this business where all employees are remote. And I never really even put it into the consideration set to hire somebody locally because of the skill set that is needed and because of the the way that I want to run the business. And, and what I mean by that is uh, you have a business that exists online. There's not somebody, I, and I've been moving around. I was a nomad for five years. Like where who's local? What does local even mean, right? So I think there's an element of remote slash an element of somebody working with you that that isn't there. So so I think a lot of businesses that start out, if they want the lifestyle and they don't want to have an office, they don't want to necessarily be meeting in person, remote is a consideration, but there's a lot of that goes into it, right? There's a lot that goes into hiring remote is like, are they in your local country even? Are they international? So there's a lot to unpack on there. And I think that's really what we want to get to the bottom of here is what does remote mean and what what levels are there within within the remote area that we focus on when we hire? It's a great point because especially because I remember back in the day, you know, like when when I was kind of growing up with my dad, there'd be these conversations. You would see them on the movies and TV, and it'd be like, "Oh, they've, I've got a call with Europe," so, and it was like a big thing, right, to have a call with Europe or Japan or whatever. And now it's like I talk to twelve countries a day. It's just sort of normal. So the world is definitely much smaller. Do you do you have a um, like a particular process that you go through? Once you've decided that you want to eventually hire remote or, you know, how, how do you think about that? Like, are you using Craigslist because you just want to sort of focus in the U.S.? Do you think about different countries for different jobs? Like there's the Philippines, you know, you've got, you know, the, a lot of the in, the in the Eastern Bloc, there's a lot of tech that gets hired, you know, out of, out of countries like the Ukraine, you know, and things like that. So do you do you sort of go through that process? Do you just sort of post on job boards? Do you have any resources you use? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's interesting. I think a lot of pain goes into deciding you need to hire in the first place. A lot of pain from you saying, why am I doing this? This is the least efficient thing that I can do. If I could just have somebody else do this for me, life would be easier, right? And and so a lot of my stuff comes from pain in the business. Like I shouldn't be doing this anymore. I'm past that point. There's money coming in. I need to hire out. And so a lot of times it's need-based as to what the role is. And so if I'm, if I'm dealing with, you know, a lot of times I focus on how do I get this off of my plate yet? have it 80% as good as I could do. And then I can come in later and fix it. Right. So I might go to a, a transparent job board like Upwork or Fiverr and just see if there's somebody who can do it. So if I want a podcast editor, it's like, do I really want the full-time commitment of a podcast editor? Maybe, maybe not. 
I, I would hire a contractor on a, on a workplace where they say, I edit podcasts, see how it goes. And then, and then if that is successful and then the podcast is successful, then I might give it more room to breathe. So I don't usually start out by saying, I'm going to hire somebody, I'm going to hire a remote employee, or I'm going to go to a job board. Usually I say, how do I offload tasks? And then if I offload those tasks and it becomes the point where it's full time for the person who I offloaded it to, then I either consider hiring that person full-time, like promoting them to more of a full-time role, or I would then, I would say, okay, this person, um, they're not meant to be full-time, they're a contractor, but this is the next position I need to add in the business. But the thing is, I can sometimes go for months or even years with the contractors before I end up making that a full-time pursuit. Now, there's a downside to that though. I mean, if this is a core part of your business, then having somebody who's a contractor who could go at any time, who who is not somebody that you have the full influence over, can be a challenge. And so that that's a really big big part of it is the consideration is, do I need this person for the long haul? Do I want the same person that I'm working with over and over again? Or am I just trying to get tasks off of my plate? That's usually the first question that I answer. Oh, it makes a ton of sense. I, you know, I, I hadn't considered that before because because you know obviously this is part of the podcast. This is why we do this because you and I come at things from different angles sometimes, which is great. Because I'm a little bit the opposite, where I'll look at it and say, okay, if I know I'm going to want to offload these tasks, and there are enough where it's a you know a certain number of hours uh, that's coming in, and I think I will kind of forecast in my head like okay, could this grow into something else? Yeah, probably could. All right. In that case, that's going to be somebody, in, in most cases, it's remote for us. Yep. Um, for the same reasons you talked about before, like the world is small, everyone's got a computer. And if they've got any sort of internet connection, they can essentially be right next to me virtually, right? So then I will um, I will go and find, you know, like onlinejobs.ph is a great resource for us. We do a lot of, of Philippines and we got about half in the U.S. and half of the Philippines, right? So half are mm -hmm. W-2s for us, half are um, contractors in the Philippines and other, um, you know, we've got Australia currently in, in Canada as well. But the the Philippines will will go out and, and this is what I did when I first started. Uh, and this was probably my first hires maybe eight years ago um, when I was kind of getting into this whole world. And it was a writer, right? And I was like, oh, I want somebody to do blog posts for me as everybody does. And so this is before ChatGPT could do all this job. Uh, but now it's like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody to do that. And we would post on online jobs, get this person. The thing that I didn't consider, and this is the kind of what you were saying, like you're testing the waters first to prove that it is a job, which I love that idea. Um, for me, it was what I didn't realize is when I was hiring them, I was also hiring another role, which was me being their boss. So yeah. I was already busy, obviously, because that's why I was trying to hire somebody. And then I hired somebody. And then I was like, cool, they're, they can handle these tasks. But I didn't realize like they need a supervisor, which means I just brought on my other job role of now I'm a manager in addition to, you know, doing the stuff while I'm training them to do the stuff and, and everything else. Um, and so that's sort of, you know, that was a big lesson in the beginning for me, yeah. for sure. Um, so now when I'm going through and doing it, I sort of have that expectation of like, okay, yes, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be in it for the long haul. I know I'm going to train them. I want somebody that's consistent. They don't need to be perfect right away. Um, but that's how I do it. I kind of go to these, these other, you know, anywhere that I can go that to find good talent. I have that expectation of the first 13 weeks, let's say they're just sort of figuring out where the bathrooms are in my head, right? It's like, ah, oh, they're, they're kind of getting used to lay of the land. The next 13 weeks, I expect to see some return that might not be perfect, but then after six months, they should be on point and then be able to take it, work independently and grow from there. And I do think there's a lot of entrepreneurs, which is why I like your Upwork idea of the contractor thing. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that expect instant success, perfect people, 
And that's, that's not a, th- I don't think that's a thing. I think there's, it can happen, but it's more of a unicorn. It's more of luck versus yeah. like somebody hitting the ground running or you're paying a lot for that skill, you know, yeah. when you, when you yeah. go for it. Yeah. That's interesting. We, we definitely have contrasting ways of looking at it, but I think that we're actually very similar. It's just that we're, we're not accounting for time in the way that, that maybe, maybe we should. And that is, I meant, I meant more of like the beginner phase. Like if I'm, if I'm sub hundred K everybody's contractors, I'm not hiring, I'm not paying a, a full-time salary because I can't afford it. So you piece it together for what you can afford. And it's often contractors because you don't know if your business is going to thrive or not. Um, this is actually a part of the profit pillars is like at, you know, sub hundred K you are the whole band. <laughs> you're all five roles in the band and you're in your okay at some of them. You know, some of us end up being Prince and can play every instrument, can write every part of the music, but most of us end up being really good at one thing and we specialize later on. And then you hire to fill in the specialties, but that's not usually until over hundred K, but more like 250 to 500 K is where I start to see people hiring for specialty roles and doing, doing that. So maybe I was accounting a little bit too much for the the early stage of the business there, but I think now it's very similar as far as hiring goes. I say, what's the projection? What's the business going to do? I need to hire to get ahead of that role because this is where we're going. And that is a luxury that comes with a certain phase in the business with, with revenue, right? Um, with, with reinvesting in your business. This is a, a big part of, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but um, at my agency and in, in every business, you're more profitable before you hire people. And then you're not profitable at all while you're hiring and building out your team when you're building out that your infrastructure. so true. And then, yes. and then suddenly you're profitable again because you built the infrastructure, right? So it's yes. like this, this hump that you're getting over. And then it's like, then it's all downhill from there, but that can yeah. be, it's not like the hump is like, during the between 200,000 and 300,000 in revenue, it's like from like $250,000 in revenue to like $2 million in revenue, then it starts to turn around. I mean, you can, you can bring profit back at the million mark. Don't get me wrong, but there's a, there's a hump and it's longer than you think. And so I think that's something that people should, should be aware of is like hiring. We're like, I think we can steer this one in the direction of hiring remote employees when you can afford them. Or when yep. you want to make an investment in your business, because then then it will keep us on track as to where to go. And I won't I won't talk about contractors as much anymore because that was a that was a phase in my career and, and in the business. But now it's actually not how I do it as much. If I'm still testing something, I go contractors. If I know this is what I want to do, I hire employees. And and I and honestly, my best luck so far with hiring employees has been alumni and from my network. It's people who come to me warm. Um, who I can, you know, who I can work with that I, you know, basically here's, here's how I do it every time. Um, warm introduction or, or a job posting to our alumni network, to our, to our community. Um, they, I get the, the, the people who are interested coming in, I give them like a very simple, easy, like profile around their personality and whether they're in the same motivations as us, like, you know, revenue job title or not revenue, but how much they want to make job title, but but in ranges, are they even on the same page as us? And actually I would spit back a score and say, you're a 93% match with, with data-driven. Um, then after that, I would go through and the ones who, who I liked the most and who had the best fit, I would give them a, a test, either a paid test or a, or a free one, depending on the labor market and depending on how many people applied. Um, when I've, when I've hired employees, I give them a, a short-term contract, like let's work on a project together. And that project that we work on together is ultimately what I'm hiring them to do. 
So they're basically writing their own job description, their own job plan for what they're going to do. And I have them do that. And then once they're, once I know they submit that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hire you to go do this thing that you just, that we just decided on that you just scoped out. And that's worked out really well for me. I don't think it scales. And so, um, the next thing we can talk about is how to scale this thing, right? But that's that's sort of my hiring process for for somebody. And in the remote part, just bringing it back to remote, people that that work really well with you are probably not in your local area. Now, the funny thing is that we hired our director of marketing. He was living in Vietnam at the time when we were doing our contract. He moved back five minutes away from where I live. <laughs> He grew up. It was here. just a happy accident. It just yeah, happened yeah. to be that way. Yep. Um, so we get to meet in person, which is great. Um, it's really nice. I've thought about opening it up an office and everything like that, but but we still work together remote ninety nine percent of the time. And so it's like even if they're local, the, like the the remote or the work from home crowd is is still there, right? Yeah, and it's bigger than it's ever been before, obviously, because the pandemic changed a lot for everybody on the planet. So it's definitely opened that up. And our and our process is very similar. Like we we call it the hiring funnel, but it's the same concept. You put out the job description. For us, we'll write the job description in a way that should attract the individual that that likes the company culture, right? So we want to make sure it's a good company culture fit. We want to make sure they're a good supervisor fit for whoever the supervisor is going to be. We want to make sure that they have the skills to your point. Yeah. So we'll write this job description in a way that if you read it and you're like, in our case, if you're super corporate-y and you want a corporate job and you like corporate ways of doing things, all of our job descriptions will not attract you at all. You, yeah. they, they repel you, but that's what they're supposed to do. And then if you're like, hey, I like working with a small company. I like this energy. I like all this fun stuff. I like the, the chaos that sometimes comes from this process. That job description attracts you to that, right? Then we'll go through and we do a, a little test because it is tough with the market and as competitive as things get trying to find good uh, team members. We'll post that and then we will put little tests in there. So I'll put little things like, you know, hey, when you apply, please, you know, find the seven mistakes that I put in here or something like that. But something that ideally relates to the job that they're going to be doing. So yeah. like they can demonstrate, even if they don't know the exact job, right? But they demonstrate they have the skills for it already. And I think that's my most important tip for hiring is don't hire somebody who can do the job hire somebody who is already doing the job. It might not be that exact job, but they're doing the same skill set. They think the same way. So if I do a, let's say I want to find a marketing automation expert or something like that, then I would advertise and, and put that job description out. And I'm looking for people that like logic, like putting together puzzles, think about different ways of putting pieces together, you know, because that's what you need to do for marketing automation. You have a lot of different inputs. You've got to coordinate them. And, you know, project managers could probably do that. So I'm looking for all this sort of skill sets. We test for that. We'll send them to an application once they apply. And then in the application process, we're putting all sorts of little questions in there that are designed to filter them out. And that's the other yeah. thing I think people make a mistake with hiring is they're trying to always pull people in. But your job is to when you're hiring is to filter out everybody. That's how I build my systems for that. Everybody should be filtered out. That way, the only people making it through are the right people. Those are the individuals I have an interview with. And then I'll go through the resume. And, and I'm really looking for consistency, making sure that they're doing the raw skills that I need or how they think about life. Like, for example, if somebody's always telling me, well, this other company I left because they didn't understand how good I was and all that, I get that the first one. But if that's all three companies that you've left, it's probably not them not recognizing yeah. your potential. It's you believing a little bit too much in yourself maybe. And <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that fourth employer you're talking about who doesn't recognize your potential because you're such a special kid. And it's like, all right, let's, let's move on, right? So I'm looking for patterns like that. 
But if they make that through, I'll give them a shot. They, we also do personality profiles, um, especially to uh, like Colby. I do love Colby um, to use that. And then we'll try to make them fit in the team. Like, are, are they, do they are they naturally work the way that the team is naturally working? Where their natural tendencies to work fit in the way that the team's already um, going? So it's not so disruptive because sometimes that happens too. Um, well, we've made mistakes like that. And that's that's actually a really good podcast topic on its own, like hiring mistakes we've made and what we would do now uh, yeah. from some of that. I think so that's, really that's kind one. of our our process as we as we go through. So um, as we wrap this up, you know, we're getting close to time. Any other kind of final words on uh, the hiring process? Yeah. So I, the test is definitely very important, right? You should, you, we, the, what you mentioned, we have different ways of filtering. And what you said reminds me a lot of even my sales process. And it's a very similar thing is that when you're verse, when you're first starting out, you think more is better. Um, when your time is is very precious, which which both of ours ends up becoming, and when you realize that every person you hire, as you mentioned earlier, is somebody you have to manage, and so bringing somebody in is actually not saving you time; it's taking you time, at least for the first thirteen weeks, as you mentioned, um, and then it, and then before it becomes productive. Um, that's, that's a challenge, right? So same with sales. Like at first you want, you want to take every call you can because you want to make money and you're like, Hey, every opportunity is a good one. Eventually you're like, Oh, I want to pre-qualify so that I'm not getting on a sales call with somebody who doesn't match. And so you need to have some kind of criteria to decide if this is the right thing. And you need information. One of the things people don't realize is that with no data, you're going to make the wrong decision. Having applicants, having them answer questions, doing profiles of their personality, seeing the job description, seeing their attention to detail, those that's assembling data. And then you can make a data driven decision about who you hire versus not. Anytime that I go based on instinct and I skip my, my data, I fail. I failed in a lot of hires, which is a good episode for a podcast. And it's yeah. always because I get charmed by the personality and I, so true. <laughs> and I don't yep. verify the substance. Right. Yeah. So, so, and yeah. it's really easy to do. Um, People who are professional appliers, they really look good. People who apply to everything, people who are only in jobs for three three months or, or nine months or a year, those are not generally the people who make the best employees or the people you want to work with. Um, you got to be aware of somebody who's super polished on the, on, the, on the interview because they probably won't make a good employee. Um, there's some yeah. things that I really want to get into with, with remote is like understanding people's environment understanding where they are, making sure that I set rules. One of the things that I've gotten a lot better at is here's the job description. Here's what you need to do on a daily basis. And then just reinforcing that like, Hey, I noticed that you're not doing this, or I know you're not doing that. So having checks and balance to check on somebody is a really big part of remote. Um, and just, just overall really fully understanding what you're getting into, because this is not somebody you can see. You can, you have to sort of rely on other factors in order to know if it's working or not. There's vulnerability, there's risk. Um, it's, it's hard. Like I understand the need or why people don't want to have remote employees because they fear the unknown, but yep. in the world that we're in, in a small business, everybody's working remote anyway, pretty much in, in this type of business, um, where they are remote from shouldn't be a deciding factor. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think my biggest tip is really when it comes to hiring remote and otherwise, like to your point is, you know, definitely be skeptical. But the way that I think about it is they are the best they are ever going to be right now because they're trying to get a job. They are literally volunteering their time to impress you and they're putting everything they can in order to to kind of cross the velvet rope, right? Uh, as, you were, as you were saying, they're, they're making their absolute best impression. So if there is anything that is off, 
So if I say, hey, show up at one o'clock for the interview and they show up 10 minutes late, I'm like, you're done because that's the best you're ever going to be. And you're already late. You're already maybe not filing, you know, following direction if it's a job post or something like that. And if it's, if that happens, you, I just, as much as it hurts sometimes, I'm just like, nope, to your point, the data says otherwise. They look good on paper, but their actions are not happening. There's inconsistency. It's already happening at the interview process. It's definitely going to happen if I let them in. And yeah. then at that point, it can it can infect other team members. So I don't want to do that um, as I protect the, the uh, company culture. So, yeah. all right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap it up since we are at time again. If anybody, uh, you know, sounds of this is something that's useful, you know, the drill, share the podcast with your friends, you know, uh, help spread the word. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered always unapologetically honest.